0: let's get started. Um, Thank you for being here, Dr. McKenney. This is a wonderful privilege to have have you uh, come speak on uh, this topic, which we sort of started a little bit the first week of our series, um, which uh, today is on uh, the story of the rich young ruler, um, which, as you all know, is a pretty uh, challenging story in the scriptures. And we had a conversation and got at some different elements of that as just a brief introduction, uh, Dr. McKinney's a professor of theology at Notre Dame, and uh, it's moral theology. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I met you a few times, you know, my my wife is a, um, just recently graduated uh, from the program, the doctoral program, theology. But as I was thinking about this series, uh, I noticed on his uh, his Notre Dame page that he was starting a... a a book or a series um, on um, the rich young ruler and a sort of Christian ethics lens, which was really intriguing because I'm not going to attempt to to define Christian ethics in front of you, but I will. Um, You know, know, how how are Christians called to live uh, in, in the world? And and it was really intriguing uh, that you put the the story of the rich Angler mm-hmm. as a potential lens through which to 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 think about action in our lives. So, I've I've invited you here this morning, maybe to talk a little bit about that and just uh, whatever you have for us. But thank you for agreeing to to uh, to be here with us. Thank so. you very
1: much. Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, thank you for that introduction. Please call me Jerry. Jerry. Uh, and uh, so what I thought we I thought would be. Uh, good to do is read um matthew's version the two versions are different in interesting ways so i thought we would read matthew's version and then luke's version um and would it be okay if we just go around the room and each read a verse okay okay great would you be willing to start
2: now someone came up to him and said teacher what good thing must i do to gain eternal life
3: he said again Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments.
2: Which ones, he asked. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony.
4: Honor your father and mother, and love thy neighbor neighbor as yourself.
2: The young man said to him, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he was very rich.
1: Okay, great. And now uh, we can read, right? We we know how to read. Okay, so
0: then um, the Luke passage. Now a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why
1: do you call me good? No one is good except God alone.
2: You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother.
3: Man replied, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws since my youth.
2: When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack sell all that
4: you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come but when the man heard this he would be very sad for he was extremely wealthy
1: okay great thank you uh Mark is very similar to Luke they're almost almost mm-hmm. identical so uh just just a question uh did you notice any differences between these between Matthew and Luke uh
2: with with Mark he says you lack one thing and with luke he says you lack one thing with matthew he says if you wish to be yes. perfect mm-hmm. so that that is to me the the biggest
4: difference huge difference
2: i said i was gonna. Kind of, it's the same it's the same difference mm-hmm. but in matthew and luke jesus is the one that says you lack something where in mark he says what do i lack
1: yeah Okay, yeah, what do I lack? Um, so I've wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws. What do I lack? So he's asking, and then Jesus is telling him something Matthew, he likes.
3: Matthew leaves out part of that, and he looked at him with love.
1: Yeah, the loving loving him. That's a really crucial mm-hmm. thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is great.
2: And then also, he mentions youth in Mark and Luke. But mm-hmm. um, Matthew, he he just says, I have. Yeah, you know, the young man says, my, I have. Not since my back, Wholeheartedly. And in Mark and Luke, he says, the man replied, or the man said, and then he refers to his youth. I've been doing this since my youth.
1: Yes, exactly. So in in Matthew, he's a young man, as we know from verse 22, when the young man heard this. But in Luke, uh, Mark and Luke, um, he's a he's an um, older man who's re- obeyed the commandments since his
3: youth. Yeah, good.
4: Well, I think one of the things I noticed, though, I think it's the most important one for me, is uh when he goes up to jesus in both mark and luke he calls him good teacher and jesus responds why do you call me good yeah god is good meanwhile in uh, matthew he just says uh there's only one who is good um and he Mm. um, yeah separation there which is interesting
1: that is interesting he
2: says teacher
4: what good thing
2: in matthew yes and in mark and luke he says good teacher
1: Yes, good teacher, what must I do? Yeah.
3: And then as opposed to what good thing must I do? Yeah. Teacher, what good thing must I do?
0: Yep. And one other thing that I'm noticing is in the Matthew passage, one um, asked, you know, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Uh, love your neighbors, yourself is included. Yes. And that's not included in the others. Good.
4: Also, in Luke, he's a ruler.
1: He's a ruler in Luke. Yeah. Yeah, these are all great observations. Good. Uh, so, uh, maybe we can.
4: He also, Matt added, um, in Matthew, he, clar- he asks to clarify which commandments. Which well, ones? Mark, Mark and Luke, he just, keep like, Jesus just goes into the commandments.
1: Exactly. So he's asking, uh, keep the commandments. Which ones? And so Jesus gives him the, let sets out it's the commandments. Specific. Yep, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. Good. These are great observations. These are all really, really good observations. Um one of, I think the one you started with was um is is an important one to get to the what most people who read this passage see as the key difference. So um so in Matthew, if we look at Matthew, uh so Jesus says in verse 17 if you want to enter into life, so he asks about eternal life, this is the first thing in all of these, all three passages, he's asking about eternal life. What does he have to do to have eternal life? So Jesus says in verse 17 of Matthew, um, if you want to enter, enter into life, keep the commandments, and then the commandments are enumerated. Um, so the young man says, I've wholeheartedly obeyed them. What do I still lack? So he's the one who asks, "What? okay, so what? what do I lack? And then Jesus says, something to another conditional, if you wish to be perfect. So there's a, there seems to be a distinction between what you have to do to inherit eternal life and what you have to do to be perfect. Um, Luke, Mark and Luke, since we read Luke. Uh, so he again, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And um, Jesus says to him, you know, the commandments, the man replies, I've obeyed them. And then Jesus says, one thing you still lack. Um, so presumably, that's some sort of lack related to the commandments. So in, in, the, in Matthew, he seems to have um, obeyed all the, the young man says, I've obeyed all these laws. And then, and what do I still lack? And Jesus now turns, seems to turn from what he needs for salvation to what he needs for perfection. But in Luke, He doesn't do the perfection thing Mm -hmm. he just says um he said one and he tells him there's one thing you still lack so the implication seems to be that he's lacking uh in in luke he's lacking something in his obedience to the commandments his keeping of the commandments and in matthew he's fine with the commandments but he's um not he's falling short of perfection
4: Mm
1: -hmm. um so Um, If Matthew, Matthew's gospel seems to say that there are two distinct goals or, you know, um, ends that human beings can have one is salvation, eternal life, and one is perfection and um, perfection goes beyond what you need um, to be saved for eternal life. Um, And then
2: could have said, um, uh, could I get eternal life without perfection.
1: That's the real <laughs> question. Know. That is the big question. That's a huge question. Hey, you
2: know, I, I hope so, yeah,
1: I yeah. right, can't uh, count me out, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good, good. That's that is a, a great question. Um, and um, and in Luke, he seems to be lacking something in his keeping of the commandments. He's not fully keeping the commandments. So these are actually two different ideas about wealth and and, uh, whether we keep it or give it up. So um, I'm going to pass out another sheet with two interpretations. These are not uh, actually three interpretations. These are not um, my interpretations. These have been around for um, uh, many, many centuries since the early church, but um, they they play on these differences uh, between these two Um, to to, to, uh, a passage, actually three, Mark and Luke on one side and Matthew on the other side. So in Matthew, it looks like you can gain salvation without giving up your wealth. (laughs) Um, But if you want to be perfect, you give up your wealth. right? Um, In Luke and Mark and Luke, it's a little bit more for, oh, is there just one more? Oh, we got perfect. Okay. Um, So in um, uh, Mark and Luke, it seems like we've got a real problem. It looks like you have to give up your wealth. Mm To be you're lacking the, the ruler is lacking one thing giving up his wealth that looks like he needs to give up his wealth to inherit eternal life not to become perfect but to inherit eternal life um so um here's how people have uh people have come up with three interpretations so um, the first one really relies on matthew and the second one relies on mark and luke and as i say these have been around since basically the fourth century if not earlier um so the first one uh so in directing the, the rich young ruler to sell what he has give to the poor and follow him uh jesus asks him to do something extra something that goes beyond the uh keeping of the commandments um so he says if you want to enter into eternal life keep the commandments if you want, wish to be perfect sell your possessions so it seems to be as i see these two different um, and and um, Jesus, so Jesus is calling um, in his uh, Matthew's gospel the young man to a special vocation. Not everyone is called to, so not everyone is um, asked by Jesus to give up their wealth. But only those who are called to be perfect. Um, so who do you think? Which um, Christian tradition do you think holds this interpretation? Yeah, the Catholic Church. Why? <laughs> why do you say that?
2: Just all the wealth that
1: they've been—they, uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: I just seems that just seems like a very convenient uh, interpretation for all of us. Yeah, oh, you're okay.
1: <laughs> it's just those as people. Long as
2: you're not called, <laughs> that's right.
1: You're that's right. Dead. As long as you're not called, exactly. Exactly.
3: Also it,
1: yeah. Okay. Good. So, um, that so we're getting into the point. There's there are orders in the Catholic Church, right? You're, um, the, the, if you're called to an order. A nun, or um, a, a brother, or sister. You're if you're called to an order, you're bound by vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And so, this is a huge um, scriptural basis for what the Catholic Church would take to be those orders. You know, so um, there, so the the you don't need to do that to gain eternal life. You can go to heaven without um, giving up all your wealth. You have to uh, you know uh, keep the commandments but you don't have to give up all your wealth it's only if you're going to be one uh, part of these special orders um so that's where they get that um so you see um you know um nuns and um uh, uh friars and monks or whatever the um, order calls them that's um it's really based right here um is there anyone do, uh, have you do you know of anyone outside the church outside of any church who um not necessarily even Christian. Who's um, There's one thing we might want to ask ourselves, who who actually does this today? Who actually did, do we see anyone who's given up um, all their wealth? Yeah,
0: oh, Gandhi did that. Yeah, Gandhi did that. Yep. You know, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago, the owner of Patagonia. Yeah, that's what
1: sorry, I was thinking I of. Yeah, <laughs> the
0: owner of Patagonia. It's Three billion dollar. Company, uh, company, yeah. yeah. Just gave it up three billion
1: dollars and.
2: Do um, what though? Patagonia? They did yeah. ownership to the to the shareholders, did they? Or, or did they? Or to climate control climate care?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was to climate being. change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for climate change or okay, so. What are they going
2: to do with. So he, he gave it to another corporation. Not that I know of as being No, it, what? It, 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 Patagonia is an an outfitter that's always put environmental issues forefront. And the owner recently said, "You know, I all of the money I've got is going to because climate climate is our central." But where did his money go to? Did it go to a corporation that I think works- it's to different issues to fight climate?
0: A lot of money. I probably lot so of it, he I
2: donated know. it to different. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I yeah. didn't go into the specific details of, but it's to mm-hmm. fight climate change and for issues and, and environmental issues. So at least he had a lot of control over where his former. That's money true. Had, yep. Which is nice.
1: But the but the uh, rich young man could have sold everything and decided which poor people he would give it to, yeah. I suppose, mm-hmm. but yeah, good. But yeah, that's a, this is a terrific example, right? Yeah. I Good example, another good example. Yeah, so it's amazing people actually do this today. And we usually say, um, I think, don't we? And the first thing I say with someone like that is that's not something everybody's required to do. And we're just amazed when people do it. Mm-hmm. Right, um, we're really um, just blown away when when people do it, and we think they have some sort of they they must have sensed some sort of vocation, special uh, vocation. Molly Martin
2: said she did. She's uh, very prayerful and uh, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. by not giving up everything, what's nice about that is she could still continue to earn money and then give that away. Yeah. You know, she doesn't just do it once and and that's it. Um, She, you know, she continues to do it, and she does things like, um, you know, creating Dollywood in her hometown was an investment because Mm. she said, this will make money for the town that I grew up in, which was very poor, and it has, Mm. you know, it's worked out very well. Mm. So
1: So you kind of thought, as I always think when I read this passage, my first thought is um, this interpretation really shields most of us. But there are people who do it. Dolly um, mm-hmm. Dolly Parton and the owner of Patagonia. Um, so, um, but we sort of put them in a
4: special le- category, special category. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: right? They don't
4: um, have money. Yeah,
1: they're billionaires yeah. who do it. Right. Uh, they're billionaires. Of course, this was a rich, a rich young man too. But yeah, it's billionaires who do it, not people like us. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a. Do you know the organization? It's an organization called Effective Altruism. Um,
3: get exactly people.
1: yeah exactly but the, so they there's a um, book that's and it's not very often that an oxford philosopher writes a best-selling book <laughs> 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 but there is an oxford philosopher who's, who wrote a, a book that's um now just out, published in august that's setting he sets out sort of philosophically but in a very in a way any of us can read Mm -hmm. an an account of this effective altruism and he's he's trying now there was a story just in the new york times yesterday he's trying to persuade elon musk Mm -hmm. to um join this um sort of thing so they don't give away everything but they give away huge
4: Mm -hmm.
1: amounts of money more than sorry to say more than most church members do of their income i mean more higher percentage of their income of course they are multi-billionaires they have a lot more to give away i
2: i have a friend who has some um, he saved and and well and and invested well hmm. and uh he had when he first retired he told me about having a meeting with people that the name was like something angels but they're um they they donate or you know they give up a portion of um portion of their funds and it goes towards um um businesses mm. that are you know that need it in order to, to get going and they don't expect to get anything back it's for them mm. it's a donation mm. but with the uh companies that receive this money then they can flourish they can grow and uh and also they don't know the, the people on the receiving end don't know where it comes from, so it's you know, it's a, a blind uh, kind of very interesting. And uh, 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 and he had you know told me about meeting with people and uh and doing that, um, hmm. and uh, so um, there, but you know, what this also brings up for me is um, one uh, I you know, used to do a lot of, well, I've, I've done a lot of, you know, stewardship stuff, a lot, of, and um, we talk about surplus versus substance, mm-hmm. you know, do you give what you can spare, yeah, uh, or do you give, you know, of, of your substance, what Right, you, right. you, um, and uh, yeah. one, one year at a stewardship uh, sermon, um, one of my priests had said, um, you've heard of give till it hurts, which was something that people said in the sixties or something. But and he said, I say give till it feels good.
1: Mm. <laughs> That's what it'd be yeah. interesting to know uh, whether you know, the
2: be prayerful and then yeah, give be, till it feels good.
1: Yeah. It'd be interesting to know what um whether the rich young ruler would have felt good if he had if he had done it. Um which we don't know because he didn't. But yeah, uh-huh. um there's, so these are so we have uh, we do have real life examples of these things. The first, the and first
2: example would be these people that uh, give graduating classes wipes their dead away.
1: Oh yeah, and, right, and yeah.
2: They don't expect anything in return. You mm-hmm. said that about mm-hmm. that
1: Yeah, they, good.
2: They say they're giving on. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah good. That's uh, another good example. Albert Schweitzer another. <laughs> Albert Schweitzer. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who Albert Schweitzer was? Okay, he was a
2: doctor. Yeah,
1: he was a uh, well, he was one of these uh, um unusual people. He was a uh he was a philosopher, he was a biblical scholar, he was one of the most uh, accomplished organists in Europe. Um and a music scholar, scholar of Bach especially and um just a profoundly talented person and he gave up everything to go to a small village oh it was a and he was a doctor mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a medical doctor biblical scholar philosopher organist you know accomplished organist and what a, um i missed one um but anyway he's uh so he gave it all up to go to the, a small village in what is now niger in africa um or burkino faso i think and um and uh, do a kind of medical ministry to people there yeah yeah so that's good these are good examples so there, there are people who do this one um uh one thing that many people worry about with this first interpretation here in this focus on matthew is uh this was martin luther's worthy worry luther said this creates two classes of christians mm-hmm. and um you know and uh there's those who, in his case, joined monastic orders, and there's the rest of us. Or we, we might say they're, um, you know, maybe he's a rich man, right? That's the rich people can do this sort of thing. What about the humble? What about the widow who puts her might in the temple treasury? You know, um, uh, so, uh, is she perfect? Um, so, you have a worry that there are two Classic. they're all the, of us who are maybe if we're lucky going to make it to salvation, <laughs> to eternal life. And but then we're not perfect, you know. The yeah, other the, widow
2: may have been giving up more.
1: Jesus than, said that than the rich. Yeah, she may have. Yep, she because may have. She had
2: less to give, but she actually gave percentage-wise more.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. She gave far. He gave as he said the su- substance.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, versus the yes yeah, substance versus surplus surplus she, yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
1: she gave um she gave of her substance oh. but
2: the um the people who decide to be um aesthetics and um uh and and live simply um they depend on alms and donations yeah. of the people who do have the money
1: this is a good so, point <laughs> so I, I we
2: can't all do that because then we'd have nobody to give us anything Good point. That's <laughs>
1: that is one that is one um, argument, strong argument for why not everyone is called to this. So mm-hmm. the those who hold this interpretation say it can't be everyone who's called to this. Otherwise, there would be no one mm-hmm. to support those who do. So yeah, great, great point.
2: So then, does that make the people who do not give away everything? Any less holy or perfect that's, than the ones who do? That's a really they good are point. Supporting They're the, the ones, ones who are
1: supporting who the ones yeah. who do. I mean, Jesus' own followers, uh, Jesus and his followers, depended on people who had money to give mm-hmm. donations. you kind of wonder what they thought about when they heard this. But um, yeah, so um, so that's one criticism of this position. There are also a couple of uh, it creates two classes of Christians, and the two classes don't seem to correspond to. Because uh, the widow would seem to be not in the perfect um, class, right? But yet she gave more than the rich rich man. Mm-hmm. She gave out of her uh, subs uh, out of her substance, uh, and the um, the people who are who work hard to support these people who mm-hmm. um, are ascetics um, seem to be doing uh, something that just is worthy of perfection. So that's one. This would this was um, exactly Luther's. Criticism. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Do you think that Matthew might have used that word perfect in that he was a money man as a vocation? That was his first vocation. Oh yeah, and right. And may have said, No, you've not given enough because he saw the sick, the infirm, and the.
1: Poor. Oh, that's a really good point. So, uh yeah, Matthew is thinking what you've given up. Luke is thinking of the person that you're giving it to. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point.
2: And if the, woman, if the widow gave up everything, um, she had nothing to barter with in order to receive anything else. We don't know which other richer person held back from putting money into the temple treasury to give to the widow.
1: Yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, so could someone become? Um, is it just as important to give the, the to the widow as Skip it is the to the temple? widow. Give it to the, widow. Of, yeah. of the temple <laughs> treasury. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are these are all good.
3: Sure this is a universal commandment because the gospels also say Jesus said rich people, rich women who, yes, provided for his needs. That's right, and there's no injunction mm-hmm. by Jesus to give that money away, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think it is a counsel to, protect. Say, yeah, what, it, isn't there
2: just sort of literarily these are. This is like a specific conversation that is recorded that Jesus did where like with the widow's might and some of the other ones, those are parables that Jesus told to a crowd at large at large. So literally, you think there might be some difference there too. Yeah. But this was this was counsel to one specific person. Yes. Where the others are stories told mm-hmm. that are put out of their context. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> this is our key. Point. Yeah. Um, actually it turns out the widow's mind he was observing the people okay. but okay. you're right about there are other you right about that distinction it's a really important distinction and here it's um the key to this interpretation is, is again not everyone is called this is jesus didn't go around telling everyone um to do this he's this is one person um yes. and maybe what, one thing i think um along right along the lines of of this really good point uh, we have to assume, I guess, that Jesus knew something about the people he encountered that an ordinary person wouldn't. He saw something about this um, person that that this person was called to it and others not. So, yeah, that's the that's. And uh, and you mentioned the term councils of perfection. The Catholic Church distinguishes on the basis of this passage, really partly on the basis of this passage, that um, the Ten Commandments are that Jesus um, gives five of them here. Um, the Ten Commandments are precepts. That means they're required for everyone. the The advice to the rich young ruler, the directive to the rich young ruler, is a is a counsel. A count, it's called a counsel of perfection. If you would be perfect. Mm. Um, and so, the, so the moral life for Christians, Christian life is divided into these two um, two, two parts. And um, there, all of us are supposed to follow the the precepts of keep the commandments. And um, and some of us, a few, are called to perfection.
2: Now, also, there were. um, Now, I was told the way that the er, a big way the early church flourished was because wealthy women would entertain people in their homes and have communion services in their homes, and the church would spread that way. Yeah, so uh... had those women not been, you know, those independent women because I think a number of them were wives of soldiers who would be away fighting for months at a time so they they have the means and the responsibility of running a large household while they're gone and um they they would do this and this would enable the gospel to be spread which um had had they all been living like aesthetic nuns that would not have been possible
1: well that's great (laughs) you know um one of the um, this was a few centuries later, but one of the main uh, promoters of this first interpretation, and I think probably we should go on to the second one here but um, the first one but the first one really is intriguing. So Jerome um, Saint Jerome mm-hmm. writes a letter to a wealthy woman and he says exactly what you've just said. you have the um she was worried about this passage. she asked him about this passage. I just read this in the Gospel of Matthew or it, pre- it was preached in the church. Uh, or whatever and um, she was worried about her wealth and he counseled her he one of the promoters of this interpretation um, counseled her not to, to give away all her money precisely because she was able to um, spread the gospel through her various various ways of what she, she gave her money, money. yeah um, but again um, luther worried about that because it's still creating two two classes of christians and that's the second interpretation uh, probably gets us to this concern so um this relies uh the first one really relies on matthew this one relies on on mark and luke so um one of the things we we mentioned is that um luke seems to think and M- mark along with him seems to think that jesus um is telling uh, sorry that the the uh, according to luke jesus is telling the um rich young ruler that he doesn't uh, he hasn't actually fulfilled the commandments. He thinks he has, but he hasn't. So um, the second interpretation here, in directing the, the ruler to sell what he has, give to the poor and follow him, he's asking him to do something that the Ten Commandments actually require of everyone, that is of all of us, so no two classes of Christians, uh, but that he has overlooked in claiming he's kept all the commandments. So Jesus is saying, you, you say you've kept all the commandments, but you're lacking one thing. You haven't kept all the commandments. He doesn't say if you want to be perfect. Yes, you've kept the commandments you want to be perfect. He said, no, you're lacking. You mentioned these commandments you kept, but you're lacking something. Uh, and then sell it all you have, give to the poor, and follow me. So the ruler, despite saying he's kept the commandments, the ruler has actually fallen short. But what, what is it that he lacks? And here, these just some um, really clever... Um, um, interpreters here they they, know, they point out Jesus has all the commandments of the yeah. second table right mm-hmm. um, uh, honor your father and your father do not kill do not commit adultery do not steal do not bear false witness what happened to what's coveting. the other one coveting <laughs> he doesn't mention coveting so the, the ruler has said I've kept all these commandments and Jesus said there's something you're lacking so um, if he's la- uh if he's lacking uh something it's the um the thing that he's lacking is it must be therefore the coveting so he's he's uh so okay you've kept all these commandments but what about coveting uh, notice that all the other commandments are about our external actions and this one's about our internal desires so basically jesus is saying in relation to your wealth you uh, you've kept all the um external commandments but you're coveting your um your neighbor's goods uh, coveting is the the um uh, coveting uh, among the s- several things to be coveted is your neighbor's goods so presumably he's um he's um coveting his neighbor's goods and this is a commandment that's directed to everybody it's not if you want to be perfect it's for right. the rich young ruler's any christian and we're all um commanded to sort of detach ourselves inwardly from our wealth
2: yes I, re- I really like that because it almost um it makes it seem like wealth is communal and so you have too much of it then you are cuffing your neighbors
1: ah, it might be yours but it you know
2: it would
4: do better with your neighbor yeah,
1: yeah. oh that's a that's a, that's a good if we think about
4: the uh, fact that like the world itself is under god it's god's thing by taking it what like god's given it to all of humanity by taking any major part of it you are stealing from others what you said i'm just i know what you said how
3: many
1: of you have have heard the verse um the love of money is the root of all evil yeah have you ever heard a sermon on that passage I've heard sermons
3: mm-hmm.
1: that have said what? What do they usually say?
3: Um, it comes from Timothy, I believe. It comes from mm-hmm. First
1: Timothy. And it's just
3: not money itself. Love it's the the money attachment out. to it. It's mm-hmm.
1: exactly this interpretation yeah, right is. here. Mm-hmm. So there, it's exactly this interpretation mm-hmm. here. So.
3: yeah What I see in this is that Jesus, as you said, looks deeply into this person. He knows more about him than the Gospels are telling.
1: Yes. He mm-hmm. could
3: easily have said... Because you covet automobiles so much. Give up the automobile. Yeah, good. That's something I can't do. That's so good, that's good. you're addicted to pornography, give that up and follow me, mm-hmm. and the person can't do it in mm-hmm. case they're attached to it, who's attached to it as well. Good. That's...
1: Yep, that's great, that's great. That's um. That's exactly how this second interpretation goes, yep. Um, so... You...
2: That's
1: not possession. That's addiction. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, so he's addicted to his. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't give it up. Can't let mm-hmm. it go. Mm-hmm. Good. You always, you
2: always want more. It's not you always now. want more.
1: Yeah. Isn't um, isn't wealth kind of like that? <laughs> isn't money kind of like that? Don't mm-hmm. look. No matter how what you you get a raise or something, your salary raise, and for about ten minutes you feel good. <laughs> You feel like you've finally been valued the way you're supposed to be valued. And then, you know, um, how long does it take before you don't really think you're valued unless you get another one, right? Um, well,
2: what, what somebody else's was.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Exactly.
2: Yeah, that's that's coveting. That's, yeah, the, that's coveting. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's coveting.
2: And you also just end up living according to your means. So the mm. more money you get, yeah. the more you're going to be like, well, oh, this is a necessity. That exactly. I yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A desire now yeah. it's a necessity, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, good point. Good, good, yeah. You know,
2: a woman I worked with, um, she lived across the alley from me and in, in subsidized housing, and her rent was a portion of her income. And um, she had gotten a raise, and that meant her rent would go up. So, uh, what she had done, which turned out to be pretty foolish, was she went to them and she said, Could you not give me the raise? So, my rent, my rent won't mm. go up and um, next time that it came up with we have to lay off people she was one of those oh, know, no. yeah no. well it showed that she was not appreciative yeah. I mean it's a little bit like gee you gave me this raise but now I'm in a higher tax bracket so now my net take home is less and yes but that's not your employer's fault yeah exactly. I' talked to Uncle Sam about that yeah, that's right, you know, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, yeah um, but I mean when I I heard that I thought well that's being kind of rude isn't it and mm. then I found out she was laid off and I thought okay I'll bet that's you know I'll, I'll bet that's why but uh she had um when you you know when you say oh yeah it's just a portion of this you know it sounds like it would be fair mm. you know but the more you have, then the more you know. The more is taken away. And just like, um, I, I mean, it's never happened to me personally, but I know of people who say, i got gotten a raise and now I'm in a higher tax bracket. So my, my net take home is less. So in a sense, I got, you know. A
1: uh, demotion. Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah,
2: I, I got a raise. So now we can't afford that anymore. Yeah,
1: exactly. You <laughs> have to give up the second car uh is there anyone who you who we see in our in, in the world around us today who who does <laughs> this who's who's really in are <laughs> left. oh no no i'm thinking the opposite like the, oh, okay. the who actually would obey this command and um from jesus this directive from jesus are there any rich young rulers uh now who seem detached from their wealth there's a they have an inner detachment so.
4: uh-huh
3: yeah simple?
2: No, she's <laughs> ruler. Uh, she's the white hair. we're, in we're so a little radical. believe it's not morally ethical to be yeah, a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might not be good.
3: I
1: see. see. Yeah. Okay. Good. Fair enough. Um, my favorite example. But this shows you. This is going to show you. Um, that I have. Uh, uh, this is not my favorite interpretation because there's one person who strikes me as someone who would meet this interpretation. That's Warren Buffett.
3: I was going to mention, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: He seems to really be detached from his wealth. Uh, so if we're if we're really comfortable with Warren Buffett, it probably means we hold to this second interpretation. I, I suppose he does give away a lot mm-hmm. too, right? Well, yeah, yeah. and he-
3: saying that I I make sure in my will that my children yeah. will get something to take care of them. But all the rest is, going mm-hmm. to get him over. Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, yep. He's what he does is he waits until it's over. Again. That's right. He's it's
1: like the rich young ruler. If the rich young ruler said, Just wait till I die, Jesus, I'll, I'll hand it all over to you.
2: But at the meantime, he has control. And then in the meantime, the he has control.
1: control. That's yeah. right.
2: That mm-hmm. reminds me of like slaveholders who freed all of their slaves when they died, but it's like, I'm still going to reap all the benefits. Yeah. So um, be like, well, I'm, I'm sure. so, um, I, I just was, when mm-hmm. we were talking earlier on the, um, looking at the difference in interpretation going back to matthew matthew has to love your neighbor as yourself yeah it would seem that with, when you're getting it looped that since that's omitted it's maybe the implication that if you are accumulating all this how can you you're say not you're not loving,
1: loving your neighbor as
2: yourself if you've got all this wealth and they don't mm-hmm.
1: good point mm-hmm. yep yeah
2: and that's what's keeping him that's yeah
1: yeah he doesn't really love his neighbor yeah, that was the interpretation
4: the
1: of yeah. um, a famous 20th century theologian, Karl Barth. Said that this, mm-hmm. this is the, the uh, key sometimes. to it all. The key to he said, the two things. The key to it all is first, Jesus loved him, and second, um, he couldn't love his neighbor. He just wasn't free from his wealth to love his neighbor. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful interpretation. Um,
2: that's, that's, I think I mean, when we're certainly looking at examples, it's easy to find examples of people who. Um, wealthy people who are still you know enjoying the fruits of their wealth and being incredibly generous yeah Um, i think it would be much harder to find someone who has who realistically has turned their back on their wealth whether whether whatever that would mean i mean i was thinking um you know and and there are you're right there's cascading events whenever you make decisions in warsaw shareholders decided to buy out or, you know, to, the, the first they decided to move things overseas and mm-hmm. there were various politicking movements that forced the original owner out. Warsaw community is seeing the effects of that because mm. the owner of Biomet put community first mm. and there were all of sort of, whether they were large or small, but the commitment to funding everything from the episcopal church that they were members uh, of to little league teams to wow. to
3: everything
1: and
2: now
1: you, uh, yeah uh, so. yeah. i mean one of the problems okay. with this interpretation that people point mm-hmm. out yeah. is that what well, there's well first of all there's a problem in terms of um just a, is it reading scripture right well um if the problem was his his uh coveting then right. jesus wouldn't jesus have told him stop desiring other people's stuff but instead he's telling them to give up his own stuff so mm-hmm. the addiction is to his own um wealth not to the coveting the neighbor's wealth so it doesn't seem that this is a case of coveting but the other maybe major problem with this um is that if, if um if this is right if we're just supposed to cultivate it an internal detachment from our wealth we don't have to do anything about it we just cultivate a sort of internal detachment Mm -hmm. from it right um so maybe like warren buffett we buy a starter house um and and live in the starter house our whole life eat at mcdonald's um but unlike warren buffett you could follow this interpretation and never give away a penny you've just you know internally but jesus tells the young ruler to give up everything he has to do an external act. So if the whole point is that the um Jesus is trying to tell us to tell the young ruler and all of us to um you know to not covet um coveting is internal but he's asking him to do an external act to give away his his money. So there's some some disconnect here and um it doesn't seem like we can really follow this passage and just just by internally that seems to demand something
3: external right and
2: possibly yeah. if we look at the way we've talked about it already there are two commandments that aren't being followed mm. thou shalt not covet and love thy neighbors yes
1: that's right yeah. love
2: thy neighbors thyself thy neighbor.
1: no but it covers that means, uh, covers all of this um, covers all of the second yeah. Yeah. table commandments mm-hmm. they're all about loving you you don't um, love your neighbor if you kill your neighbor or steal from right, your right, neighbor right, right, right. Um, but
2: that's in um deuteronomy anyway mm-hmm. or leviticus yep. one it's, or the other it's in I love your neighbors up. in
1: leviticus and love the lord uh, your god is in uh-huh. deuteronomy Yep. Uh-huh. so let's go on to the third interpretation uh-huh. then so we've we have um good things maybe but problems with both of these interpretations So you know the what?
2: ruler is the uh luke is the only one who says ruler yes that's right because uh the others are just someone
1: right exactly yep uh-huh. luke is the only one who has ruler um so the third one, uh, so the in directing the, the ruler to sell what he has, give to the poor and follow him, Jesus asks something he might ask of anyone, might ask of anyone he calls to be his disciple. So um, not just as first interpretation would hold a certain, um, some people not, others, he might ask this of anyone. So the commandment against theft uh, presupposes that wealth in excess of what you need is for those who don't have what they need. Um, So this is the assumption behind here. It's an assumption that almost all of the um, early Christian church, the church fathers as we call them held, um, whatever excess wealth you have, you're holding it almost as a steward for people who don't um, have what they need. So your substance uh, um, uh, Mm -hmm. is for, is really not, um, is for those whose needs are not met. So all of us who have, all of us, have excess wealth um have to be prepared to part with it at any time um, because it doesn't really in the end belong to us right so the ruler the problem with him is he regarded his wealth as something that uh, you know his possession that he could dispose of as he wished so he lacked the readiness to part with it when he was asked um so um, so any of us could be any of us with excess wealth could be the, the young ruler at any time um, someone in need um, might uh, we might be confronted with someone in need and be asked to give um, any you know our excess wealth. So if you take these, um, this interpretation, the thing I, I one thing I like about this interpretation is it puts the two, um, difference is we've seen Matthew on one hand and Mark and Luke on the other hand together so it accounts for for both of them so one of them, remember the first interpretation really has to has to go with Matthew none of the others support it the second interpretation really goes with Mark and Luke well here you can put it to, put them together this way so with the young ruler lacks is the readiness to do on every occasion what the commandments require at that moment so he's lacking and his keeping of the commandments, because he's not prepared to do <clears throat> whatever they may require of him at every every moment, um, and so his keeping of them isn't perfect. Um, he hasn't been; he's not perfect in his um, his keeping of the commandments. Um, so um, it's it um, unlike the second one where we can just kind of cultivate an internal detachment and um, and satisfy ourselves that we've done that. Or the first one that we can say, well, I'm not really called to do that. This one is directed to everyone. Um, And it's asking us to be prepared at any moment to part with our excess
4: wealth. in a sense, aren't we all? We all kind of probably fall into the rich and ruler there because how many of us on the time when those people asking for money on the street kind of just ignore them and keep moving and-
1: yeah like i do honestly i do
4: mm-hmm. I, yeah. i've done it uh, i'm not sure all of us have done it every yeah time or another. probably most points to be perfectly honest yeah but,
1: yeah yeah
4: um that is us being the rich young ruler in that case because we are not being willing to just like we are we are more attached to our wealth than helping someone who's in need
2: mm-hmm. yeah i have a question with excess because mm. we have um um who who are we to decide what is excess of someone else's and there was one year we had a um, stewardship exercise at church and everybody uh we got into groups and we sat in round tables and our priest said everyone takes all your spare change your points out of your pockets and put it in the middle of the table and we all did. And then he said, okay, and we mixed it all up, you know, so, you know, it wasn't like quarters on this side and pennies on that side. And then he said, okay, everybody um, take some and then distribute it to everybody else. And then we went around and and talked about, um, did you distribute it equally? And, mm. you know, if not, why not? Mm. And mm. I had said, um, I don't know everybody's economic everybody else's economic business so that's why i did it equally and um lady next to me said well i knew those two people over there and i knew they were students so i gave uh, i gave i gave them more and i started laughing because i said when i was a student <laughs> i never had so much i had the least amount of money i'd ever had when i i was a student but it ha- i had the largest disposable income yeah. that I ever had. Once I got I got married and I was working full time, I had my expense, you know, I had a mortgage to pay and a kid's yeah. raise and all that. And I had, you know, I had nothing left That's over. True. Like every two weeks, it was like, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, and Joe, you know, Mo gets paid. Uh, and um, uh, so I said, I never had so much to possible income. My own life is when I was a student, broke, and everybody, but everybody broke, just but not started laughing.
3: You're broke, but you're not poor. Um,
2: I was, uh, I was not poor, but I just did not have money.
3: Yeah, you're broke. That's that's broke, the way that you're I. <laughs> you're broke, but you're not poor. Yep.
2: Isn't that kind of the point of the way the story's written, though? Is it is. It's not up for me to say, mm-hmm. you know, you have a disposable income. No, oh, Tennyson, you have excess, you give that. But but, but it's, it's us to say, and that Jesus asked specifically, are you keeping the commandments? Yeah. So that's the question. I mean, we have to reflect this inward on ourselves. Are we exactly. keeping the commandments?
1: We are each the rich yeah. young person that Jesus yeah. is addressing. Yeah, and,
2: and, you know, and if, and if it's, you know, and, and I think that is also one of those reasons that, yes, we need to look at. At our actual wealth but it's one of the reasons that over certainly over my adult life the uh, the episcopal church is focused on time treasure and talent mm. so that you, what are what what are you giving and it's not a cop-out you can't just say okay i'm going to give my talent so i'm not going to even look at what my <laughs> money is but it does encourage <laughs> you to to say how are you, you mm. looking before where's the balance
1: yeah that's yeah that's yeah wealth is wealth is your money Uh, Mm -hmm. um, you can't say it's not but it also is other um it's other things as well i think you wanted
3: to say something
2: um i i think that it's interesting like the way that we've all been framing it um it seems like there's an implied what should i keep what am i entitled to keep yeah like like this with the readiness is really the question is what can I give?
1: That's exactly right. Give, yeah, that is
4: actually give to this person. Not c- how much am I? Crucial
1: giving? difference. Crucial difference. So the first, the first thing that, um, yeah, the first thing, uh, for both of the other interpretation well oh, thank goodness I'm not called to that special vocation <laughs> and and, and this the second one well I really if I really think about it I do have an inner detachment from my wealth you know I'm yeah I don't care <laughs> but the but the third one that's right you're you're the preparedness the readiness means that you're actually looking you're yeah. expecting. You're expecting the. <laughs> you're, it's. It is. Um, I mean, it really is. Um, directed to all of us in a way that we're not off the hook. We're not off the hook. But and the reason we're the reason for that is that it actually, you know, our our wealth does not belong to us. It's God has given it to us to meet um, oh, others' so, needs. Yeah, I think you wanted to say something.
4: With the third one, it's being it's being told like, okay, it's seeing the person on the street and not asking yourself well do i have the money it's like well that person needs money yeah exactly right now. I don't, yeah I'm like there's a there's a need there i should always be willing to help fill it
1: yeah exactly exactly
4: whatever i can
1: the reason i have my money is for this person exactly. on the street there my yeah. money
4: is not for me it's, it's not for me yeah yep can i add yeah um along this line
0: i'm glad you mentioned uh discipleship
1: oh uh, yes right because
0: it's a major theme in luke and in the first right, week exactly. we talked a little that's bit right. about that good point um but actually my read of the passage in luke and in general is that this is not a, a, a particular ask of one person that's right it's in I, you know in luke it, in luke jesus sits down with all of his disciples and followers instead of your possessions yes to the group
1: De- he he exactly, doesn't just say
0: it to the yeah. So for me, it's saying, "Okay, this is kind of what discipleship requires, and maybe you know Jesus does provoke. yeah There is something radical about the cost, <laughs> and so maybe, maybe I, for me, sometimes I think, well, I think he is. I think God is asking me to do this. I'm just not. I'm just not doing it. You no, know, <laughs> it's it's true. Well, I mean that that for me, I, I I I wonder if it's better to be honest about <laughs> my 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 discipleship path but it's meant it's it's meant to disturb us Um, and um, mark
1: is the same way this passage comes (laughs) in mark right in the midst of that take up your cross yeah uh and it's uh, it's in this this whole section of mark is talking about the radical demands of discipleship these are not intended to let us off the hook um not at all um you're exactly how uh, stephen just put that so well we're it's it's directed us luke also um in chapter six uh, matthew says blessed are the poor in spirit um jesus and luke doesn't do any of that kind of move it's blessed are the poor and woe to you rich Uh and um so yeah and woe to you rich maybe if you have uh i mean the way this third interpretation would go if you have excess wealth and there are people with needs woe to you you're not um you're not meeting those needs so yeah this is this is meant to disturb us Mm -hmm. it's meant to disturb us
4: yes
2: i i I taught high school for 42 years oh wow the books that we studied uh was human comedy
4: Uh, and
2: and there was a a line that we the kids got really stuck on mm -hmm. and what was happening is a man was about to rob a bank and uh his friend saw him doing this, and he gave him the money he needed. Wow! <laughs> and and the thought was, if you give someone money, they are no longer a thief. Mm. And and so mm. I think as we studied this, that uh, just came right back. That's a
3: great, uh, a great a point about kind of money Christus too. Mm-hmm. You to us the guy steals the candlesticks come get him. Oh, my game's here. That's uh, I mean.
2: And then, and then he you, also gave him something else. The yeah. uh, Was it the Bishop's candlesticks, yeah. Dr. Hugo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bishop put him up for the
3: night. Mm-hmm. And, he stole
2: the and then he stole and the and candlesticks.
3: Bear caught him, and the bishop said, oh, no, I gave back. And they
2: then gave not only that, something. oh, and I meant to give oh, you this, too. And then he gave him something yeah. else, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I was yeah. yeah. Yeah, the price yeah. in does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: That was uh, Those authors from that time were reflecting a, a practice that, I mean, I'm not saying the church <laughs> consistently upheld things like that, but there was a kind of expectation that that's what what it's, what it's all about. We One of the main difficulties for us reading this passage is that we think what we have, uh, we're entitled to, it's our possession, and we have discretion over what to do with it. And what this is telling us, we don't. Um, it's not really our possessions meant for those who have needs and we don't have discretion over what we um do with it so my um so whenever I talk about the this sort of issue and I have to say the first thing I should say is I myself am terrible at this um I'm I'm trying to to adopt the attitude that the but the attitude here is the first attitude we have to get rid of is that we're entitled to this and we give out of our discretion Mm -hmm. um the first attitude we have to have is someone it's, it's there for someone else and it's not really at our discretion and um once we have that attitude all of this starts to make sense um mm-hmm. if we don't have that attitude then it's we're going to go for the first or second interpretation and we're going to say okay so it's for someone else it's or i am already uh, i don't really care about my money and yeah exactly not really applicable. <laughs> but um but yeah that's um so it's it's changing that whole sense of what um what our wealth is about you
2: know there are people that you know, i know that no, they've not given all of their wealth away, but their generosity is just amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: God continues to bless them, much like what we talked about earlier. You, you are, and we will continue to bless you because I, I know you're already a conduit to the poor.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we. I, mean, I think we've all seen people like this. I've just seen people who, um, just somehow know when they um, pass someone on the street who. Needs money. They just they just have a way of inviting the person to go you know, get something to eat or something like that. And they're just really good at this. They're you know we would call we would say they have the virtue of generosity. You know they they know how to exercise it and they're um, they're really well disposed to it. And um, that's that's um, something. And uh, I, I think it's something um, about those people. They just have this sort of attitude that that's what their money is for.
2: Mm-hmm. And, they're also seeing those people as human beings.
1: Uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think
2: so often when we don't give money, to people who yes. are on the street, we just you know we're not even registering them to be. That's so a when, really good point. Once you say something to them, they get in a conversation.
1: The, the very fact we avoid eye contact with them, we try to look the other way. We we try. To, we, I do this. I'm, you know, I I I have thought a lot about passing people in the street, um, which I do. And um, I mean, there are, I I would say most of the time, uh, that's probably not the best way to, uh, but but to not recognize them as a fellow human being uh, in some way, um, to avert your eyes from them. um, I try to avoid doing that Uh, um you know just uh, a lot of them say god bless you how can you as a christian not say god bless you back um but of course the other thing is how can you as a christian not help them if you're saying god bless you as well and um so yeah yeah so i said you know some people i just say are very good at they uh, um knowing there's a place where you can get uh food nearby Mm -hmm. um you know we we do a lot of stuff with the homeless center that's our way of doing it but but they but we're also not actually contacting them um, person to person. And um, I think it's when you um, contact when you encounter, when you really encounter the people who have need, person to person, and you do it in a way that doesn't kind of reinforce your own superiority, um, you kind of see the point of it that, yeah, it really is. I'm really here to, that's what I'm here for, to help this person who's just like me, except that they're um, in a position of need that right now I'm not, um, you know, But I may be in someday. And and,
2: and there's the key word, right now. Right
1: now. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right.
2: We're all just one disaster away. We're one. We are. We
1: are. We are. We are. We are. are. And we do so much to try to deny that reality and forget it. But that's so true.
0: Well, it's. Yeah, this, this conversation has taken us right past 10 minutes. It has taken us past 10. I'm
3: sorry about that. No, no, it's good. Thank you. Well,
0: Thanks. Thank you.
4: Thank you,
1: all of you. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And thank you for all your wonderful uh, insights. I um, One great thing about talking about this passage is I always learn something new about it. And I've really learned a lot new about it today. No so great. thank you.
3: Awesome. awesome.
4: And we learned a lot from you. So thank you. So I-